This has been a long year. A year of uncertainty, struggle, pain. We've watched a virus take countless lives. People we knew, people we loved. Jobs have been lost. Businesses have shut down. And churches have been forced to close their doors. We've witnessed division on an unprecedented level. Cities filled with violence. Streets filled with protesters. And we felt the sting of racism. The deep heartache of hate. There have been times where it's been difficult to see the hand of God. But even in the darkest of moments, He has been there. Faithful. Present. Powerful. As a new year begins, we stand on a simple truth. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not grow faint. We don't know what this new year will hold, but we know that it's held by a God whose mercies are new every morning. This is where we place our trust. This is the truth on which we stand. This is our hope for the new year. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you today. Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, ever get the presents you want? Oh, maybe not so much. Yeah, I, I, I got a great. Pre- I have a new daughter. Uh, my my son got engaged. She's down here right now. Claire, you might have heard me mention her at Thanksgiving, but we're sure excited to have her in the family. So I, I've got a new a new daughter and new kicks. How do y'all like those? So yeah, my my kids gave me this, and uh, I think it was out of love. But I I think my kids are concerned that the fashion train in my life is pulling into the station for the final time, and they're getting a little desperate and trying to help me. So uh, we'll see. I don't know, but thank y'all for the new shoes. But uh, good to see everybody today. I hope you have had a a great Christmas and are, are heading into a wonderful week that'll kick off the new year. I do want to say real quickly to those online, we are going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper today. So uh, you may want to run to the kitchen real quick and put something together in terms of, uh, you, you at least have crackers or bread or, or something, but grab what you can to uh, make that possible. And we'll be doing that in just a bit. You know, I would imagine here we are the, the last Sunday of the year and in church, uh, I, I'm guessing this is a room uh, online here that would by and large say, I love church. I, 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 lo- I love the capital C church, the church universal all over the world. And I love the, the little C. I love my church, the, the Heights Baptist. And we might have various understandings and meanings behind that. But I, I'm guessing a lot of us are going to say, I, I love my church. I certainly would. I very much 
have loved the church. I very much love my church. And boy, in that love, because when you love something, man, your heart's all up in it. I'm very concerned. I'm very anxious. I'm very burdened for the future of the church in America. And, And I'm not saying that for why you might think I'm saying that. I'm not saying that because of something happening in government or something happening in culture. And there certainly has been something happening in both government and culture that I do think is going to make church a a real challenge in the years to come. But I think there's something even more significant than that. Something that that, that makes the church in America even more tenable than what's going on in, in a government or a culture. And that's what's going on with the church in the hearts of American Christians. What, what does it mean that I go to church? What, what, what's being communicated when I say that to a, to a friend or I just announce that's a character quality about me? I, I'm a churchgoer. I go to church. If, hey, I went to church yesterday. What, what, what does that mean I am? What does that mean I'm doing? You know, I think most of the time, if we were just to kind of boil it down, if you hear somebody say, I go to church or I went yesterday, what we hear them saying is, you know, I went to a place, a building, or I went somewhere online and I engaged with a set of songs and I, and I engaged with a sermon. And and if you connect with those songs and you connect with that sermon, then you're, you're going to be able to say, "I, I went to church. Would would God agree? You know, as, as Americans, we are intensely individualistic. And that, that's a good thing. I mean, there's a lot of positive things that come out of the, the individualism that, that is a character quality, maybe the dominant character quality of the United States, our, our individualism. But just like anything that, that is a real strength, there can be some downsides. There can be a weakness to that. And I think for the believer, one of the downsides of our individualism is we just don't get. And I'm starting with me. We just don't get what role the church plays in our knowing God, knowing His blessings, knowing His will, knowing His presence and power. We don't, we don't get the role, the God-designed role that the church plays in our lives. I believe God would say this is something 2020 has taught us. I, I think God would say the church is essential, right, to life in Christ, I don't, I don't believe most of us would say that. Now, we, we're not going to not say that. But if you look at how we're living, it's not that church is essential. It's more that church is an accessory to life in Christ. Oh, a very important accessory. I have a favorite accessory. I love this accessory. But it is just an accessory. I mean, when push comes to shove, I mean, I can know Christ without the church. I, I can walk with Christ without the church. The church just helps me to do that. And we miss God's actual essential nature of the church in our lives. I think this is a trend that's been coming in America. I, and I'm not a historian. I'm not a sociologist. But I think we can go back maybe as much as 40 years 
I, I think for 40 or 50 years now, this has been a trend where the church has become less and less and less important. I, I, I like it, but I don't need it. I think that's been a trend now for 40 or 50 years, but 2020 will be a historical marker. Because 2020 took a trend and it made it the norm. I don't even need to go to church to go to church. Now, I want to to say something. This is not a message about watching online. I am so grateful. As I look back over this year, I am so grateful for our cleaning team, Jay. I am so grateful for our cleaning team, and I'm so grateful for our, our, our worship arts team, the, the, the team that gets us online. I'm grateful that we've been doing that for years and, and that we were very quickly able to just kind of adjust and tweak and, and keep right on going. And I would say online kept us connected. Online kept us moving as a church. Online works. Hey, and for the individual, online's a great tool. Man, if you're sick, you're on vacation, you're, we're snowed in. Uh, oh, maybe if there was like ever to be a pandemic. You know, online's a great tool. But a great tool can be used to build something bad. A great tool can build a bad idea. You know, God does bring us together around songs and a sermon. We treat that kind of like a goal. You know, the goal is to get up there or to get online, get the songs, get the sermon, and then I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm finished. I achieved the goal. But I think in God's mind, the songs and the sermon is just the starting point. It's just the launching pad for the rest of the day, the, the rest of the week. We, we, we engage in the church. We come up to church, and I'm not talking about a building or an address. We come into the church to love. To, to love God and to love each other. And here's where our individualism doesn't get it. If we're not building thriving, loving relationships with each other, then we are not building a thriving, loving relationship with Christ. You've heard me talk some. I don't think I bring it up every year, but I, I, I brought it up quite a few times. Uh, you've heard me refer to my... My one anothering list. There's over three dozen, almost 40 commands in the New Testament that use the two words one another. Okay? Now these are commands that guide our relationship with one another. Not as in like one another with my family at home. Oh gosh, there's, there's commands in scripture that guide my relationship with my family at home. And some of them are even going to be similar to these one another's. This one another list is not talking about relationships out there in the world with the stranger, with the enemy, with the friend. Oh, there's plenty of verses that do that. And some of these would be similar. But when you see those two words in a command, one another, that is specifically giving direction to our relationship in here. These are commands that are all about how we are to relate. And maybe the number one, one another... And they're not in a list like the top ten or anything. But maybe the number one one another would be the, the words out of Jesus' mouth in John 13 that night in the upper room. When he said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you. 
Okay, now think about, walk through in your mind the ways that I've loved you, the ways that I've shown that love. Okay, now you're to take that and you're to, you're, you're to go into the church and you're to love other people like that. And it's going to be so overwhelming to watch that the world will be attracted. They're going to see in you me. They're going to be attracted to me by how we love each other. Now, it's an interesting thought. Love. I mean, that's kind of like a world principle, right? It's, hey, it's better to be loving than not. And, and I look around this room. I know a lot of you. I know most of you. I, I think you can go out tomorrow, this week, and you're going to be a kind and a loving and a good person. And you know what? You're probably going to do that whether you came to church or not. It, 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 it doesn't take every Sunday in church for you to go out and be a kind, loving person. And that's true for a lot of people, not just churchgoers, right? I mean, there, there's people out there, I imagine you know some. They're not going to church. They hope they never go to church. They're not a follower of Christ, don't want to be a follower of Christ. But you would generally describe some of them as, hey, that's a, that's a, kind, that's a kind person at work. They're one of the most loving people there. Now, is the way they love, is it pointing people to Christ? You see, there's, there seems to be something that Jesus is saying here that just the act of loving in and of itself doesn't lead somebody to say, do you follow Christ? Because the world can love. The world can be kind and good, and that, that doesn't lead anybody to Christ. But yet, that seems to be what Jesus wants for our relationship. Folks, Jesus isn't sending us out into a mean world to be nice. That, that's not what this is about. There, there is something about the depth, the character, the quality of our love and our goodness in and with and toward each other that it leads people to say, do you follow Jesus? Is this what that is this what that looks like? Now you think, well, how does, how does loving, how, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? I mean, I love pizza. I love Jesus. I love y'all. What, what does that mean? Well, that's what these other three dozen commands are going to do. They're going to expand what that love looks like and, and what it does. And I'll be honest with you, this love that we're to do is difficult. It's, it's difficult, it's costly, and it's annoying. Yeah, I'm not, I wish I could say I was saying that to be funny, but I'm, I'm not. As a matter of fact, I would dare say when you think of your relationships up at church, the people that you love up at church, if it's not difficult and costly and annoying sometimes, then you're not doing what the New Testament's talking about. (laughs) Because when you look at these commands, when you look at what's guiding our relationships, they imply that we are engaging with each other not only enough but deep enough that we can get under each other's skin. (laughs) <laughs> that, that we can bother each other. So let, let's, let's understand what that is. We're going to, we're going to look at 40 commands. That's kind of daunting, isn't it? I mean, you guess the last Sunday of the year, I was hoping he had just kind of a sweet thought we could get in and get out. And I've got 40 points. We will be done by 3.30. You know, the first service had the hope. Well, that he's got to be done for the second service. Y'all, no hope. We're here. Get buckled in. No, we'll go through this real quickly. I am going to comment on some of them, but not all of them. Let's look at the one anothering list. We're told to love one another 11 times in the New Testament. Love one another. Fellowship with one another. Okay, now that's not about a casserole, okay, or a pizza. 
fellowship with one another, engage with one another, build relationships with one another. Now, it goes without saying, you cannot do this online, can you? We, we actually are trying to en- create a way where when people are online that they can engage with a pastor, they can engage with the others. And boy, we're trying to engage with that. And for a season, for a Sunday, no issue there. But can you do life online forever and obey this command? No, you can't. Now, I know right now there's got to be at least one person leaning next to, I'm sure glad we came to church today. (laughs) We look pretty good in all those idiots online. (laughs) No, guess what? You can be just as disobedient to fellowshipping with one another when you're sitting in this building every single Sunday. You know, if when you come in and you sit down and the moment you sit, your first thought is, When he says, let's pray, we're out of here. We got to beat the traffic. Okay, if that's your high goal when you enter the building, you're not fellowshipping with one another. Uh, You're missing that. I I like this one. Greet one another three times. Why in the world would God need to say three times, hey, y'all need to greet each other? Is God just like waivers? Oh, I've been obedient today. Woo, that was hard. No, you, you know, you think about it, folks. You and I, I my guess is we, we have a moment like this every single week. You're, you're walking down the aisle at the store. You are, maybe you're, you're, you're walking down the hallway at school or you're at work and you, you see somebody and you immediately pretend you didn't see them, right? I mean, you, you should say hello to them, but, but if you say hello, I mean, you're already in trouble for being late. You're a little bit tired. You just want to get going and you don't want to. And that person can talk the ears off a brass monkey. I mean, you just can't stop right now. And so, you know what? You turn. I, I, I didn't see. I got it. I got it. Do, do you know God actually says, no, no, no. No, you don't. We don't do that. We, we see each other. We acknowledge each other. Okay, now if you're in trouble at home and you need to get going, okay, pretend once. But you can't live life that way. You, 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 you've got to see each other. Be humble toward one another. Serve one another. Twice we're told that. You know, folks, serving is not an event that we sign up for and do. Serving is a way of life for the Christian. I, I always, in my mind, I always kind of think about it informally and formally. So informally, how do I walk into this place and say, God, make, make my ears, make my eyes sensitive to what's going on around me. Show me who I can serve today. That, that's informal. Just being ready for any, anything that might happen. But then also formally. Hey, God, how do I join my church family in making Sunday happen? In making the ministry happen, in making Wednesday night happen, in making some form of ministry at the Heights happen. Hey, hey God, how do I join my church family in leaving here and going out and serving in the community? Go, going out and serving in the world. Serving is a way of life for us, not, not an event that we, we check off. Be hospitable toward one another. D- difficult right now in, in a COVID world. D- definitely difficult in this past year. I hope not much longer. But I, I mean, I, if I understand this, I think when we enter this room, when we enter this thing we call our church, we're actually thinking, I, I wonder how many people I can have over for dinner this year. I wonder how many I can, people I can share life with in, in, in my home 
this year. I mean, that's, that's what God's wanting us to do. Confess your sins to one another. Wow. Now that's a whole message in itself. Your best friends in Christ, my guess is you don't do that. Your very best, the ones you trust the most, you, you don't know. We won't get into why that's such a significant thing. But do you see that just in that command, the quality and the depth of relationship God is calling us to build in here? Hey, if I have a hundred really good relationships in here, I don't know I have to confess my sins to all 100, but I'll bet you God has in mind more than one or two. That this is ha- this is the kind of relationship. This is how we build relationships. Don't speak. Uh, uh, don't complain about one another. Do you know why God tells us not to complain about one another? Because there's going to be a reason to complain about one another. God knows, man. I'd be complaining about them if I were you. But we're not going to do that. We're just not. It doesn't work. It doesn't work in what we're building. It doesn't work in what we all need the church to be in our lives. So don't complain about one another. Don't speak out against one another. Encourage one another three times. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Now, this is just where God's just getting over the top, right? I mean, I'm trying hard myself to be loving and good. Now you're telling me I have to move into other people's life and help them, encourage, motivate them to be loving and good. Did you do that this past week? Well, it's a holiday. That's not fair. But the week before you did, right? Again, this is not an event to check off. This is how we operate in our relationships. Seek after what is good for one another. Build up one another. What does that mean? You are to be building somebody up in Christ right now. Now, I know when we read that command, hear that command, my guess would be, and I'm totally making this up, but I don't, I don't think I'm that far wrong. No less than 50% of the people in the room, no, no less than 50% watching right now would say, I, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. Gosh, I don't. I don't even think I'm doing enough good enough job in my own Christian life that I'm going to go and build up somebody, somebody else's Christian. I can't, I can't do that. You know what? That's absolutely okay to say, I don't know how or I can't. I'm assuming you would have said that last Christmas too. So what have you done since last Christmas to change that status? See, there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that works. I don't know what to do. There is something very rebellious and disobedient wrong about not doing anything to change the situation. You are to be building somebody up in Christ. And by the way, now let me start that whole point over. Yes, you can. Every person here can build up somebody in your life in Christ. Every single one. Folks, building up somebody doesn't mean I have all the answers and I'm already way, 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 way down the road. It, hey, man, let's, let's try this praying thing together. Hey, let, let's try this Bible study thing together. You're just going alongside somebody and helping them build. It doesn't, all you got to do is be about like half an inch further than they are, right? Build up others in Christ. Um, comfort one another. Look at these next three. They're all twice in the New Testament. Admonish one another, bear with one another, and forgive one another. Now, there's no reason for those commands unless somebody's on my nerves, right? 
There's no reason for these commands if someone's not on my nerves, if somebody hasn't offended me. Now, you know, you can go on this one side and say, confess our sins to one another. That talks about the depth and the quality of relationship. But even these talk about, hey, we are around each other enough to get on each other's nerves. Okay, you, you can't do these commands with a wave. You don't, you don't do these commands with acquaintances. All of these implying such a depth of relationship. Don't lie to one another. Regard one another is more important. Be subject to one another. The word actually used there is submissive. Not a big word in the, in the American culture. Guess what? It wasn't a big word in the Roman culture either. Matter of fact, that's not a big word in any human. Submitting to another I would say submission falls at least in the top three, if not the number one character quality to define the Christian life. We are a submissive people. We're actually going to be looking at that some in 2021. Speak to one another with praises to God. Be kind to one another. We are members of one another. Twice, twice that's said. We're members. We're connected in our individualism, we just, yeah, that's, that's kind of a warm, fuzzy thought, and we completely don't get it. You know, if I, if I uh, smash my thumb, it, ow, you know, it hurts, right? It bothers my thumb. Maybe my whole hand's aching a little bit. But, you know, the rest of me, other than knowing my thumb is hurting, is just fine. I, the rest of my body can go on and do what it needs to. But if I don't address the issue with my thumb and it gets worse, pretty soon my whole fa- hand can become impacted, and if it continues to get worse, it can move up my arm. I mean, we get infection. I, I actually, this is no kidding. I actually had a friend, this was years ago, that died from an infection and they got in their toe. I mean, one, one little, you know, way down there at the other end of the body. It's not even that important of a piece. And, and the whole body dies. Do you know, Old and New Testament, God communicates this. That just one can impact the whole nation. Just one can impact the entire body. Now, the reason you need to know that is because you're going to be held accountable for that. You'll stand before God and your health, your strength in the Lord and the impact it had or did not have on the Heights Baptist Church or even the church universal. We're all impacting each other and we don't get it, do we? I doubt we make a single decision in our lives thinking about, hmm, I wonder how strong my church is on the other side of this. God knows, God said it, and God's going to hold you and me accountable for it. Show tolerance for one another. Don't envy one another. Don't bite and devour one another. That has to be kind of a bad day for God, doesn't it? When he has to look down at his family and say, hey, would y'all stop, would y'all stop biting each other? You know, that's kind of cute because, you know, moms say that to the three-year-old and the four-year-old, right? But then that next word, devour, yeah, there's nothing cute about devouring each other, is there? God, God looked into his family and said, don't give the same care to one another. Wait for one another. You know where that command is found? In the Lord's Supper. I find that very interesting. I, I, I think it's very easy to come to the Lord's table and be thinking again, very individual. I, I know the pastor is going to tell me something about, you know, God, I need to confess my sins. You want to be right with the Lord as you come to celebrate this moment. And, and, you know, there's just something about when I take the Lord's Supper, I just feel a little closer to the Lord. And it's just I, 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 I. And yet in the midst of all that eyes, God says, uh, this is not an individual event. 
Don't ever come here alone. Wait. Wait to do this together. Wait to be together. Wait for one another when you do this. No lawsuits against one another. Accept one another. Be of the same mind. He didn't say find a church where you agree with everything they're doing because that's not going to happen. No, we choose. You choose. We choose to be in agreement. Don't judge one another. And then look at that last one. Be devoted to one another. What's it mean to be devoted? My guess is most of us have looked at somebody in our lives and said, boy, they are, they are so devoted. Maybe you were looking at how they were a fan of a certain team. Maybe you were looking at how they related with their family. You know, I, I think a lot of us, we end up saying this about somebody at work, don't we? Man, they are really devoted to the job. There's a variety of things in which we will look at somebody and say, they are so devoted. Now, if you can think of a time like that, what were you looking at that led you to say that? What were they being, what were they doing that led you to say, man, they are really devoted to that? My guess is it had something to do with time. I mean, it just, they gave so much time to that. I mean, way more than anybody around them. Maybe you saw them spending money. Man, they always, they go get a new magazine to learn more about it. Man, the latest piece of this that's going to be better. They, I mean, just money was never an object when it, when it came to this one thing. Maybe the energy. And, and you know what rises above money and time and energy is attitude. Did you know you have never referred to somebody being devoted if you've ever even once heard them complain or grumble about that? You can, I mean, you could have a real family man. But if you caught him one time, oh, my wife almost killed you. I just got one time. Just a mistake. I was having a bad day. But just you hear somebody grumble about him and all of a sudden you don't think they're devoted. See, it's given the time, the money, the energy, the effort, but it was such a passion and a zeal, such a joy. I can't give enough time to this. You got an idea of devotion yet? (laughs) Because that's how your family and your friends should be describing your relationship with the church. And if they don't, then you're walking in disobedience to the Lord. You know, it's it's interesting to think of that one command or, or all of these commands and realize just what a low bar I have set for thinking myself such a good Christian. I mean, honestly, you know, I, I, I read my Bible this week. I gave some money at church. I, I tell the truth almost every time. I didn't cuss that anybody heard. Man, I tell you what, I'm a pretty good Christian. I really knocked it out of the park this week. (laughs) And you know, I can think that, you can think that, while we're literally disobeying dozens of commands. Folks, the application of this message is not you need to have more friends at church. Go up to church, build up some good friendships, and say, all my best friends are at church. That's not the application. Listen, number one, if you do all these things, you're obviously going to have friends at church. But you know what? You can have great friends at church and not be doing any of this. As a matter of fact, that is the problem with the church in America. There are millions of Christians gathering in a church right now 
that are on a row, that are in a room with some of what they would call their best friends, and they're not doing any of this. No, the application of this message is how do I move into this room? And again, don't, don't get caught on the walls, the physical structure. How do I move into this family? How do I move into this body of Christ and engage as many of these commands with as many of these people as I can? Now, you might think, well, gosh, in a church of 150, I can kind of say, oh, that's 150 is a lot. But how am I going to do But how do you do that in a church of, of thousands? we got over 5,000 members. You know, before COVID, <laughs> who knows now? I mean, before COVID, you know, 22, 23, 400 were here. I mean, seriously, you can't. I mean, God's not actually asking me to have a relationship with 2,400 that it's this close. You know, probably that's not possible. But what you're doing every time you engage this body is you're saying, God, I want to obey as many of these with anybody you bring in my path. Open my eyes, open my ears, make my heart sensitive. I want to engage with as many as possible. That's what we're to be doing. You know, it's the, it's the end of the year. And there's just some things that go with the end of the year, right? Kind of thinking about our finances a little bit, maybe maybe thinking about our marriage, struggling a little bit with some thoughts on that. Maybe we've got a child we're a little concerned about. Maybe we're looking at a decision, a change that's coming up. And man, I just, boy, I could use a pick-me-up from the Lord right now. Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm go to church. I go up to church and the pastor, his only message is you need to go to church more. You know... That's not what I needed to hear today. You know, the things I'm carrying, the things I'm dealing with, and that's all you got. See, we don't, we don't get how essential the church is to life in Christ. You see, when we're doing all this one anothering, guess what? We're all stronger in the Lord. We're all better prepared. We're all better equipped. We're all more knowledgeable for literally everything going on in our life. When I'm using God's designed role of the church in my life, I'm better prepared for what 2021 holds. If it's a death, a loss, a a, a failure, if it's a pandemic, hey, if it's a success. Folks, I I got people in my life that I can trace their walk away from the Lord to a success, not a failure. We're better equipped for what 2021 holds when I've, when I've got the God-designed role of the church in my life. I'm stronger in the Lord. I'm stronger in my faith. I'm stronger in knowing His will. And as a matter of fact, I think God's idea is that we're all so strong in what we're being and doing for one another, the world can't help but notice. They can't help but watch. I can't help but ask, is this Jesus? You know, I want to encourage you, if you have our church app, and if you don't have it, you, you can get it, but get our church app, and, and you know in there you've got sermon notes, and everything you see on the screen every Sunday is in those notes. You can share them. You can take your own notes. You can do all. You've got total freedom with whatever you want to do with them, but, but get to those. That's a lot of commands. I can't even remember everything I just went through. But we do need to look through that, don't we? 
Take, take some time this week. And hey, you know, I imagine you'll go through some of those and say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing these. It's always good to know what you are doing. Praise the Lord for that. Maybe you'll see a couple of others that you, Ooh, I'm not very good at that. Hey, did you see one or two? I don't even want to do that one. Ooh, this one, I know I, I know I should be doing it and I'm just not. I got to know where I am in the list before I can start adjusting and tweaking. And then maybe you come out with a couple of ideas of how you can start doing all of these things. Let me tell you one thing, praying, praying can probably engage and obey about 10 to 12 of these commands. You say, what do you mean praying? So here's an idea. Don't ever leave church again for the rest of your life. Oh, that's too much. Let's, let's have this. For 2021, I'm not going to ever leave church without having a list of people to pray for. Now, if you know, if you go to life group, that's pretty easy, isn't it? Because you sit in life group and what are we doing there? We share prayer requests. So that, ah, I'm done. I did it. I didn't even have to lift a finger. No, now that you've got the list, now go to that person after class or out in the concourse. Hey, I, I just want you to know, I'm, I'm going to be praying for you about what you shared in there. And then next Sunday, hey, how'd that go? How, 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 how'd that work out? Maybe it's not in a life group class. Maybe because, you know, I'm not in a hurry anymore. Maybe it's out there in the concourse or maybe it's just in a conversation I struck up on the way in or the way out and, and somebody shared something and I'd say, hey, man, I'll be praying for you about that this week. Don't ever leave church again without someone, somebody's to pray for. And watch how many of those things just start to happen. One simple idea. Well, let's move on now to one of those one another's. And, and we've all waited. We don't come in here and do this alone. Together, we take the Lord's Supper. Would you open your Bible with me to, to 1 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm reading from this uh, version of the Lord's Supper today because it has that command, wait for one another. And let's read about the Lord's Supper from there. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm going to begin in verse 23. It says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. At this table, we're thinking back toward his death. We're thinking future to when he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily, okay, pause. There's a way that you and I can approach this moment that God says, oh, gosh, you know, I wish y'all hadn't even have met today. Can you imagine God saying that? I, I wish y'all hadn't even come to do this. Well, I don't want to do that. What, wait a minute. What's this about? Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment on yourself. It's a real simple idea. I pause and I think... Are there words, attitudes, actions? Are there things going on in my life that are inconsistent, that are contradictory with what I say I'm here to celebrate? 
in the body and blood of Jesus. Uh, that is, for if you eat or drink the bed without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, when you come to this moment, wait for one another. It is together that we depend upon the forgiveness of Christ. It is, it is together that we look forward to his return. Now, we want to make sure we're doing this in a way that honors him. So we want to take just a moment and, again, think through that idea. Think through what in my life is inconsistent, what in my life is a contradiction to what I'm about to celebrate. And just take a moment to pray about that, to confess that to the Lord. Maybe you think over that list we just ran through and think, wow, Lord, I didn't realize there was so many commands I was being negligent or ignorant with. And, and we just confess that right now to the Lord and, and receive his forgiveness. You know, I always say, I can only give you a precious few moments here to do this. It's always my prayer that what we start here will finish later this afternoon or maybe in a prayer time tomorrow morning. But let's get that process started right now. You pray. Just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm sorry when I've come. With my agenda, I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. 
y'all go ahead and get your little Lord's Supper here that we've got for you. Let me give a couple of physical instructions before we get back to the spiritual. There are two different things to peel back. Uh, there's the real thin see-through layer that gets you to the wafer, and then there's the foil layer that gets you to the juice. If you pull them all off together, it's even a little bit harder. I'd be the first to say, this is not the easiest thing to use for older or bigger fingers. Uh, but it is perfect uh, for the time, the season that we're in right now with, with COVID. So if you want to go ahead and start pulling back the see-through layer to get to that wafer and... Uh, and as you're doing that also, we'll, we'll go through the Lord's Supper. We have one more song. And then when we're done, uh, if everybody would grab up all their garbage and there's trash receptacles on the way out. There, our deacon served us today by making sure we could do this and have this all ready. And we're going to serve them by making sure they don't have to handle things that have been all in my hands and mouth. Okay, we don't want to do that right now. So if everybody would just scoop up their own stuff on the way out and there'll be a receptacle. So I'm assuming I've talked long enough now that you figured out how to get the see-through layer open and you've got your wafer. Let's go ahead and pull that out. I, I'm, I've never done this. I don't know how many Lord's Suppers I've left. 
lead, but I've, I've never done this. I want you to pull the wafer out and I want you to break it. You know, we get caught up in the, in the bread and in the wine, but that's not the illustration. What Jesus said is this bread is my body that's been broken. That's what the focus is. The focus is on the body being broken. In Isaiah 53, it says that he was crushed for our iniquities. So as we break the wafer, as we eat and crush the wafer, we're being reminded that all those sins we just confessed and the forgiveness that comes with it, man, it comes at a high cost. You and I enjoy something so easily, but it came at a very high cost for that forgiveness to be offered. Jesus said, take this and eat and remember. Okay, if you'll peel back that foil now. God knows that we're very physical beings. So as he calls us to remember, he gives us something we can taste, something we can smell, something we can touch to enliven this memory. And he says in the cup, this is my blood. And in it, in the cup, in the blood is a new covenant, a new relationship with God. I think to fully grasp that, we have to go back to Leviticus, not a place we go back to very often, but there's such profound statements there. Leviticus 17:11 says, "I've given you blood on the altar to ha- so that you can have atonement, that means covering, so that you can have an atonement for your sins." And we might immediately think, "Why why blood?" And the verse goes on to answer that, "Because in the blood is the life." Again, what God is pointing to is the serious and high, high cost of forgiveness and the high, high cost of being able, listen to this, folks, to stand before God blameless and righteous and holy. What a wonderful thing we enjoy at a very high cost. Jesus said, take, drink, and remember. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the promise of 1 John 1, 9 that tells us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and you are just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You forgive me not just of what I confessed, but Lord, when I'm genuinely humble and repentant, you forgive me of the things I didn't even remember, the things I didn't even know. Oh, Lord, the position I hold before you, thank you. Thank you. And, Lord, may I be ever mindful of the high price, the high price that won for me that forgiveness, that won for me that righteousness. And, Lord, I pray that until I celebrate the Lord's Supper again, I'm incredibly motivated by that high price to walk in holiness and in love with you and with all the people you've put in my life to walk with you with. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.